welcome to the Bloomington Homeless Podcast with Heartland Community College. I'm Jacob Tan. I'm a freshman here at Heartland. Uh, my name is Kyle F. I'm also a freshman here at Heartland. I'm Zane Dalton, and I am a sophomore at Heartland. Uh, first, we're going to just go over some basic facts about uh, homelessness in Bloomington, Illinois, and kind of just what's going on. Uh, one thing that's good to know um, that there is 188 homeless currently that we're aware of in Bloomington, Illinois, of the 700 or 77,725 people, making it 0.2% of the population. Uh, whereas nationally, there are 329.5 million Americans and 580,466 homeless, making it about 0.1%. Um, on top of that, affordable housing is. Uh, very cost-effective and preventative, um, preventative financial measures can also be really useful. But for affordable housing, a chronic uh, homeless person costs the taxpayer an average of $40,448 per year, um, whereas supportive housing costs an average of $12,800 per year, making the net savings over $25,000 per person, according to endhomelessness.org. Yeah, and bringing it in like a, a balloon to normal standpoint is there's Many, uh, one thing that's tough is there's some large companies such as Rivian moving into the Bloomington Normal area, which of course these people need a place to live. So, um, or like tenants or whatever. Yeah, tenants, um, it's tough. What's it called? Landlords, yeah, landlords. Um, <laughs> landlords uh, would much rather fill these spots in their apartments, houses with people who have more stable incomes that are working at these companies than such as homeless people. As you couldn't tell, on today's podcast, we will be discussing homelessness nationally and locally, rapid rehousing, job opportunities, preventive, preventative financial assistance, and we'll be doing so with some help from some guest speakers. Yeah, and these speakers are, we're bringing in three special guests today. We have Mark Burgess, Paul Frizzle, and Kenzie Almond, all specializing in the field of homelessness to bring their input. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and start with our first guest. Um, should we go ahead and bring them on? Yeah. So our first point here is uh, rapid rehousing in Bloomington Normal uh, and just kind of what we know about it. Um, Uh, of all the organizations in uh, Bloomington that do rapid rehousing, Home Sweet Home Ministries is the one that most people know best, and really it's the only one. There's about three other programs that all do transitional housing, um, such as Mid-Central Community Action Incorporated, Salvation Army, and Project Oz, um, but they, they don't do rapid rehousing, just transitional housing. Um, and Home Sweet Home Ministries works together with Bridge of Hope uh, in getting people rapidly rehoused. Um, uh, rapid rehousing is uh, an intervention designed to move homeless families into permanent housing as quickly as possible. Basically, it's just a housing first approach where instead of looking at like jobs or you know therapy, whatever else the person struggling might need, you just get them in a home and then go from there uh, because really the home is the start of all those other problems. Um, and another thing that's kind of going on with that is, uh, as we heard earlier, there's a lot of big companies moving into town. And so the housing market right now is really competitive post COVID. 
with everything else going on, prices are higher, and landlords don't really want risky tenants, uh, which makes it harder for Home Sweet Home Ministries to get people uh, where they need to be, really. And so, um, really a big thing going on right now is just Home Sweet Home Ministries is having to do a lot of, uh, like, behind-the-scenes work and, like, Negotiating, there it is. They're having to do a lot more negotiating than they normally would uh, to get landlords on board. And um, really, we just need to find uh, some ways to help them. Um, so, to do that, we have some questions for Mark Burgess, um, just kind of to pick his brain about what he knows and thinks about the whole situation. Um, we have about eight questions for him here. Our first one, it was, uh, how is rapid rehousing being funded locally in Bloomington Normal? Just see, um, there's other ways to do it. Uh, Peoria has a system where they pull money from, uh, they take funds that are collected from landlords, illegal like housing management to send to them, which is a great way of doing it because it kind of has a feedback loop there. Um, but at this time, we don't have his answers, so I'm just going to be going over the questions. Uh, number two was, how does Home Sweet Home Ministries fund uh, rapid rehousing uh, if it's different from uh, how other places do it in Bloomington Normal? Uh, number three was, how many months of people's rent are agents Home Sweet Home Ministries paying? Uh, in the article, landlords want shared risk to risky tenants in Bloomington Normal on WGLT.org. It says, Burgess and his organization have been paying up to six months rent to support people during the pandemic, uh, whereas normally ages Home Sweet Home Ministries only pays security deposits and first and last month's rent. And really, I'm just curious about if that's changed or if it's still technically COVID or what they think about that. Uh, number four, uh, the same article before, um, he mentioned looking into mass releases. Uh, if Home Sweet Home Ministry got mass releases, would they be paying like full time basically or would uh, the stays with homeless tenants until they could pay on their own, or how does getting mass releases on multiple, multiple properties save them money if it does? Uh, number five, uh, what do you think is the best negotiating tool when it comes to convincing landlords to take on rapid rehousing? Um, we've seen a lot of Mark Burgess having to do negotiating with these landlords, so I'm just curious what his uh, how what his best idea is on negotiating, just because it could be useful on helping other people. Uh, number six, uh, what do you think is the most important uh, data or tool in convincing local leaders, uh, like the City Council of Bloomington Normal, or of Bloomington and Normal, to take action on things related to rapid rehousing and homelessness? Uh, seven, is there anything more that Bloomington Normal could be doing to fund programs like rapid rehousing that they are yet to do or that you wish they would do? And then eight, uh, final, do you have any closing thoughts or stories that are important or relevant to homelessness in Bloomington Normal? So when we get those answers, we'll make sure to include those. <coughs> and then, do anyone have any thoughts on what the uh, guest said? Uh, I thought the story he mentioned was really cool, uh, and I can't wait to hear his answers on uh, things like what he wishes they would be doing for funding. Yeah, phenomenal story, and really it's interesting just to hear how long they're paying these, the, the rent for these yeah, um, it's a lot of money. documents, because that's so costly in today's housing market, as we talked about earlier, it's super competitive.
now that we got that in mind, is there what are some other things that we could do to uh, help people struggling with homelessness? One major thing that we could definitely be doing is getting these people jobs, job assistance, job training, whatever you want to call it. It's it's good to get these people in their houses, but it is a temporary, rapid rehousing, not a permanent. They're not paying these people's rent for 20 years. They need a stable income to maintain a lifestyle and get back into the economy. And not only is it vital for them to have these a place to stay, houses for their comfort, but also just for their simple well-being. As a Green Door article um, called The Cost of Homelessness states, 80% of emergency room visits made by people struggling with homelessness is for an illness that could have been treated with pre preventative care. So if you don't have enough money to have, pay your rent, have a house, it's pretty safe to assume you, can, you don't have very good health insurance. And this money ends up falling back onto the local governments and taxpayers as the average cost of a hospital is three th overnight is $3,000 and everyone's tried to get there as a minimum of 600, but can be up into the thousands based on interventions done and route to the hospital, which is so costly for the local governments and taxpayers. And it's coming around to roughly a year, the city of Bloomington is spending around $15,000 simply on hospital bills for each homeless person. There's 188 of them, I mean, do the math. That's a lot, a lot of money, and we could be saving 80% of those. That could be huge to implementing those funds into other aspects of the community. To piggyback off that a little, I'd actually seen a statistic that for a lot of people that are in homelessness, not only are 54 in homeless, 54% according to the Atlanta mission are homeless because of, for those, um, because they couldn't afford their medical bills, but a majority of them, they spent 98% of their savings in their last 40 days staying in a hospital or in the last 40 days of their lives in the event that, you know, didn't work out. Yeah, just the ambulance rides and stuff and the overnight bills, that's like multiple months rent. Especially like in America. Like yeah. yeah, it is. That's it, with insurance. It's unreal. And piggyback offing that last topic that Zane talked about, getting them into the houses is actually vital for getting a job because a huge turn away for employers is not seeing a permanent residence yeah. for them. And there's a huge distrust between the homeless community and employers. Uh, they just have homeless people have a bad reputation whether it's deserved or not they do and giving them some temporary housing some rapid rehousing would give these people just a temp a permanent address to write down on their application they're making it so much easier for them to obtain a job and bringing in some other input we have paul frizzle still not sure who this guy is but we're going to implement that into the into the um, final draft and a couple of questions i had for him were Number one, what are your personal experiences or how are you involved with homelessness? You know, what is your, how are you in, intertwined with that? And then how long have you been working or around homeless people? Like how much experience do you have? You know, what are your things from there? And how have you seen homelessness affect children working with them? Because he is involved in the foster care system with children and things like that. Fourth, um, what do you think is the number one need for the homeless? Like obviously we have some solutions listed here, but are we missing anything? What else can be done to help them out? Fifth, um, from what you have seen, what is the main cause of homelessness? Once again, we've kind of listed a couple things that cause it, just wondering what his opinion would be on this. After that, do many homeless people have children's children or a family to look after? 
So is it, is, it a, is it a huge aspect of making sure that these schooling, providing schooling, things like that, how pertinent is that to the homeless situation? Obviously, there's some homeless people with children, but is it a, is it a common thing? Then, uh, personally, what do you think is the best proposed solution to combating homelessness? Is it rabbit rehousing, job training, et cetera? You know, what would be your best thing to do to get these people back into functioning members of society? And how have you seen homelessness affect those people's health? As I just talked about, you know, it can be physical or mental. I mean, there's obviously the physical toll of being outside all the time, not having great health care, but it's got to take a mental toll on you as well. I mean, it's got to be tough to be out there all the time. And do you have any final thoughts, interesting stories, things that would just relate to the topic we've been talking about? Yeah, I can't wait to hear what his uh, opinions are on some of those, those questions. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really wanting to hear about the, you know, how many of these families have children, because that just adds a whole other aspect oh, yeah. of schooling, you know, children require a lot more attention and care than your average adult who is a little more self-sustaining just because of their age aspect. Yeah, some school registration even address. So it's like yeah. school as well. It's tough, man. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great questions. Uh can't wait to hear those responses and it looks like we got one more person. Oh, oh no, I switched up the order wrong. Um, so affordable housing is very cost effective as um, was mentioned above. Uh, it costs the average taxpayer again about forty thousand four hundred forty eight dollars per year for the average person person, whereas having preventative costs put in place um, costs about 12800 per year, so massive savings there. So it's in my opinion that giving some preventative financial measures will help out a lot because when you're paying for someone's food, their water, their housing, any therapy or anything like that they might need, any extra services, all those costs add up. And if they're a chronically homeless person, those costs don't go away either. Um, so that can be really taxing on uh, on private organizations that have limited funding, and it can especially be taxing on the government who has pretty much no funding in terms of indiv on an individual level. And this isn't a new problem either. Uh, according to ncbi.gov, homelessness has been around since the 1870s as a nationally recognized issue. So if you just do some brief math there, I mean, we're talking for the average homeless person, uh, over the course of their lives and over the course of the amount of time homelessness has been a problem, we're looking at billions and billions of dollars invested into this issue, and yet we're not seeing that change that we want to see. Um, there's no change in sight at the moment. According to the National Alliance to End Homelessness, the U.S. Uh, federal government enacted over $51 billion in funding to selected homelessness and housing programs, and this does not include city or county or private dollars invested into homelessness. That is solely from the federal government. Um, and we just, we haven't seen that money make that difference. I mean, when you're looking at $12,800 per year, divide that by 51 billion, that's a good chunk of the homeless population right there. And yet we're not seeing those results. But we could see those results if perhaps we put in just a little bit more than what was put in by the government. Um, it'd be easy to multiply the cost of constructing the average affordable housing unit with the number of individuals in the US to calculate the cost of housing for every person experiencing homelessness. According to uh, researchers at the University of California in Berkeley, the cost of building 100 unit affordable housing projects in California in 2016 was $425,000 per unit. Multiply that by 160,000, you're looking at a cost of $68 billion in California alone. But Americans spend $87 billion a year on hair care products and $21 billion a year on Starbucks $29 billion a year on lawn care. So to say it's an unreasonable ask isn't 
know, an accurate statement. I would say it's something that we could definitely find the budget in America to figure out if we ever so chose. Um, and to talk a little bit more on that, we have our guest speaker, Hensley Almond, and my questions for him are, first off, what's your organization, what's your mission, and how are you going about achieving that right now? I look forward to hearing about that. I know a little bit about the program. I know they have a little bit of free therapy services, some uh, food. I don't believe they do any housing-related things. I believe they're more so about come here during the day. We'll hook you up to trans with transportation to a shelter at night, but we got some services for you until then. Uh, my next question is, how, is homelessness, uh, how has COVID impacted homelessness in your area? Uh, one thing I specifically saw with this group is they were talking about the impact of COVID had a massive spike in homelessness, and this was in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And because of that, their finances were kind of just devastated almost overnight. And I know that that caused a lot of problems. So I want to see, you know, what are they doing to deal with that and how is it impacting them? Um, and my third question, I want to know what they feel the best way to address homelessness is in 2022. It's been a problem since 1870 officially. Um, so obviously there's been a lot of trial and error. And yet our methods of going about it, I mean, homeless food shelters, you know, food banks, homeless shelters, those have been around since, you know, before our, my, my grandparents were probably born. And yet, it just doesn't seem to be get, having the effect we want. So, is there a new method that might, you know, have some good, good research behind it or good monitoring? And my final question is: Do you think preventative financial assistance specifically would be effective, or do you think alternatives would be more effective? Um, because obviously, though I feel like preventative financial assistance is very effective based on what I've seen, for someone who's a you know very knowledgeable in the industry and a you know very um, connected organization. They probably know quite a bit more than I do on that, so I'm interested to hear about that. And then uh, to the interviewer, thank you for your time, and uh, yeah, that's where I'll conclude that. Yeah, I can't wait to hear some of those answers on that, especially uh, just what he thinks about preventative, or if it at that point would just be better to get them a new housing, because maybe they might be in more expensive housing already, or maybe they need to downgrade to be able to afford it. thoughts now that we've heard all of that and we've heard all these interviews has your mind changed at all or are you still feeling pretty strongly uh, about your thoughts I think uh, for the most part all of our everything we stated so far has been pretty factual so um, you know it's it was good to hear uh, some a lot of the information that we got from all of our interviewers um, and that's something even post podcast I'm sure we'll be thinking about and how it relates to the information we had already gathered and uh, just kind of going over the unique perspective they had. Yeah, absolutely. Interviewers were a great aspect to this podcast. I'd like to thank them again for their time. It was super helpful. Yeah, and um, I definitely liked everything that was said. I agree with everything that was said in the interview. Super helpful. Um, definitely seems like all these programs kind of go hand in hand. It seems like separating any one of them might not fully address the problem, but you know, combine those things together, you might have a, a pretty effective solution. So thanks to the interviewers for all their input.